Jesus spent his three years of ministry preaching to thousands, but ministering to 12. And those 12 to this day are the foundation of the church. Hello, and thank you for listening to General Order 4. On today's episode, we're doing an interview with Pastor Amos Graham of Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome to this episode of General Order 4, and uh, on today's episode, we're happy to have somebody with us other than just the two of us, as we're normally uh, just the two of us, Brian Stewart and I, and uh, he is here with me as usual. Good to be here. And uh, But today we have a special guest with us, and we're going to be getting into asking him some questions, things that he's gotten uh, from discipleship, some experiences that he's had, how it's made an effect on his pastorate, and that kind of thing. So we're excited to get into it. Uh, but with us today is uh, Pastor Amos Graham. Pastor, if you want to kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you're doing, where you came from, that kind of stuff. Sure. My name is Amos Graham. I pastor... Liberty Baptist Church here in Indianapolis, and uh, my wife and I have been here for 10 years, and we've spent uh, a lot of time trying to go through different things to help our church grow, and one of the biggest things that's helped me personally would be the area of discipleship. It's helped me uh, not only as a a pastor, but it's also helped me uh, personally be able to help my church. And so uh, it's it's been a it's been a huge blessing to be able to watch what God's done in our life, as well as in the lives of some of the men and ladies that we've been able to minister to. Um, how they've grown, it's changed our dynamic here, and it's encouraged us as well because we're watching programs and trying things that haven't worked, and and the Lord's given us this tool to be able to help our church, and it's it has been a blessing. Tell us a little bit about the dynamics of your family. Your family's a, not the uh, typical American family, and uh, it is in a lot of ways, but then there's a few aspects of it that are not. Why don't you share with us some of the dynamics of your family? My wife and I have eight children. They're all ours, homegrown. They're not yours, mine, and ours. They're all ours. <laughs> there's no twins uh, every two years. My wife and I have been married for 21 years, and we have, uh, uh, like I said, eight, uh, ages five to 19. Amen. Uh, four girls, four boys, and um, we. Our prayer and desire is that those, all eight of those children, will turn out to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with their right. life. Amen. It's not going to happen by accident. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that my wife and I have learned is they have to see the model lived out before them. They can't just see it on Sunday. They have to be able to see it throughout our life and then uh, be taught it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something that just going to church won't give them. Even as a pastor's kid, a lot of pastor's kids are jaded, they call. Uh, they turn and leave not only the church, but they leave the Lord because mm-hmm. of a double standard and that kind of thing. So uh, with my wife and I, we really have a very um, strict, stern, um, desirous look for our children. We want to see all eight of them serve the Lord with their life. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can't make that happen, but we can facilitate that big time. With and discipleship has really been a big help. And in, in, in a lot of ways, honestly, it would take too time, too long to discuss 
mm-hmm. the area, the, the ways that discipleship has really helped in, in our own family. So if you could just kind of explain a little bit about um, what part of the world you kind of grew up in and your background and that kind of thing, and then how the Lord brought you from where you were and your understanding of what discipleship was to where you are now and the understanding of what discipleship is that you have now. Sure. So just kind of take us on that journey. Real quick, I uh, my mom and dad got saved in 1972, 1973, um, from well, Thursday night soul winning, an old cattle rancher in uh, Colorado, Ellicott, Colorado, which is out in the middle of nowhere. If you're looking for a location, it's near Colorado Springs. It's out on the plains. He was a longhorn cattle rancher. Their church had Thursday night soul winning. He would come by every Thursday night, um, knocked on their door, began a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Took them about a year every Thursday night, knocking on their door before my mom trusted Christ. And two weeks later, my dad trusted Christ. And it changed their life. They were religious people, but they mm-hmm. were not saved people. Sure. And uh, But they never really had anything to kind of help them grow the only thing that back then that was given was just be in church every mm-hmm. time the doors are open. And so they did that, and they've done that to this day. That was 40-plus years ago, and they're still doing that. Um, but in the middle of that, I get, uh, I'm get i born uh, in 79, in and uh, I got saved when I was nine years old, um, trusted Christ. And the, the thing, that same mentality was there just be in church just be in church if you need to, you have questions just be in church and uh, so you know that's kind of where I that's kind of where I grew up discipleship was not a, a big thing I'd heard it mentioned a time or two by our youth pastor but it wasn't taught it wasn't modeled and and truth that it wasn't because they were they they didn't want to it wasn't really shown to them mm-hmm. yeah. and so we had a church that was very very large um, at, at the peak it was about 1500 every Sunday that we were bringing in on buses and, and so on so there was a lot of things going on and I remember through those years from the age of nine to uh, the time I was 20 struggling with my own salvation I remember distinctly the Holy Spirit convicting me, showing me I was lost when I was nine years old under the preaching of our pastor. I remember distinctly trusting Jesus as my Savior, but I didn't I didn't understand the dynamics that happen when a person trusts Christ. So because of that and ignorance, I'm growing up through my teen years. Now, I'm doing all the things that you're supposed to do. I'm going to church every service. As a matter of fact, more than that, I'm involved in it. I am Mm -hmm. in the choir. I'm doing bus ministry. I'm doing teen ministry. Anything that I can do, I'm doing. Sure. And I'm doing it with a mindset not to be saved, but honestly, to kind of show that I am. I'm I'm wanting to prove in my heart that I'm saved. Mm -hmm. That I'm in a, a child way of God. Proving it to yourself. Yes. Yeah. And, and then and then being faithful in that. Okay. My youth pastor is preaching. Read your Bible and pray. And and there's a lot more I could talk about that uh, that he had helped me in in a lot of ways. But so I'm faithful reading faithfully reading my Bible. And then I'm coming across again in, in ignorance here. I'm coming across First John chapter two where it says, "Whatsoever is born of God doth not commit sin." And here I am, this teenager, and I, and, I, and, and these things are going on in my life, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm destroyed on the inside. And I would go to some leadership sometimes and say, you know, I'm just struggling. And anybody that I talked to, and I, and I, I could have talked to my dad, but I don't know that he really had necessarily the answer for me as well. 
He could have, but I, I never asked. Yeah. But I would go to leadership, and the answer would be, well, did you ask Jesus to save you? Did you believe that? And I said, yeah, do you believe Jesus died for you and rose again? Yes. You know, okay, then you're saved. The Bible says you're eternally secure. You're in Christ. What's your problem? And that was kind of the, mm-hmm. and so I struggled for 11 years of my life trying to prove to myself that I'm saved. Everybody else on the outside thinks I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on the there is a war going on on the inside of me that I can't I can't get help with. Yeah. And I go to the Word of God, but because I don't understand how to compare Scripture with Scripture, I don't understand what the context is. I'm I'm dying. Yeah. And uh, the Lord, through a process of time, moved me to another church. There's a long story behind that, but moved me to another church. And the pastor was preaching through the book of First John, and uh, which is a book on the assurance of salvation, how mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. And so, uh, my wife and I had been married at that time at four. Uh, we've been married four months, and I finally, on a Wednesday night, I went home and I told her. I said, "I know I trusted Christ." I, I know that beyond the shot, but I am done at this point. Either God is good to his word, and I trusted him, and he said he'd save me. If he doesn't save me, then he's a liar. Mm-hmm. And I took him, I, I opened the Bible to Romans chapter 10, and I showed God, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I said, Lord, I don't know how, how much clearer that can be to me. Mm-hmm. And it was like God said, I told the Lord that night, I said, I'm done fighting this. I'm not messing with it anymore. If I die and go to hell, it'll be your fault in the sense that I'm taking you at your word. I'm not calling God a liar. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I've taken you at your word. I don't know what more I can do. There's nothing else I know to do other than trust Christ. And from that moment, there was a peace that I could that I didn't have those 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's like God saying, "Okay, finally, you're done trying to prove it." Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, now, so I didn't get saved when I was 20, but I finally let go and let God be who He was, mm-hmm. who He is. So your faith was uh, exercised in that moment. Yes, and your faith in His Word. It took me 11 years, though. Yeah, That's it took shame. me 11 years to grow to that point. Yeah, circumstances of life, but I would have appreciated, I remember on on a few different occasions as a teenager, just struggling, and nobody could give me any kind of direction or help from the Word of God without basically what I did myself, Romans chapter 10, just there's a promise from God, if, then I. And I just took the Lord at His Word. But from then, you know, I have learned in, in my pastorate here, the one thing I've watched, now I didn't gain this necessarily just from meeting with you. There's some things that, it, that I've been going through before. I am watching this in my own people. The biggest issue that one of the, they're dealing with the same issue that I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them are not struggling in their life, but they're just coasting mm-hmm. because they don't understand. They're, they're not stupid. They're ignorant. They just don't know. And my job as a pastor is to feed them, to teach them, help them. And here I am, I don't even understand. So I got a hold of a couple of different discipleship programs from different publishers. They're good. I mean, they're, one was a, a book form and another was a booklet form. 
you know, the booklet's just a little thin. Yep. And I tried to do discipleship for our church through a group setting. And what I'm doing is disseminating knowledge. And if it it helped, it's not going to hurt. Sure. It's not going to hurt. But it, the, the intended target never really grew right. because, you know, I'm giving it out in a group format. Nobody's really able to answer questions. No accountability. Right? No accountability. Discipleship's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. The problems that I was dealing with when I was a teenager are personal problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to ask them in a group setting. I mean, mm-hmm. There's struggles in my own life. I, it's a vulnerable thing. I need one person who can help me, not a group. Yep. And so, anyway, that's a little bit of my journey of how I got to where, and that, that, where we th- are. Sorry to interrupt, but that's, that's true of especially young people. Mm-hmm. Teenagers, yes, they want somebody that they can trust. You hope that somebody can be their parents, right? But it isn't always, right? And they need somebody to talk to about things mm-hmm. that can give them spiritual guidance, and they will even ask for it. Like you said, yes. went to your youth pastor, asked for that guidance. You wanted it, you were looking for it, mm-hmm. but whoever it was wasn't equipped to give it to you, right? And unfortunately, that's all too common. Yeah. That's what we, and and I could have asked my dad. I, as I look back, I, I I could have asked my dad, and my dad would have given me, not a polished answer, not a, but he would have given me the right answer, and that is once you're in Christ, you're always in Christ. He may not have been able to go through and prove that through the many scriptures that do, but he would have led me on the right track, mm-hmm. and that was another thing that I think is vitally important. The church has to equip. The church and the home are not over the other. They're, they work together in tandem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Jesus died for the church, but he established the home first and the church as well. They both have their dynamic. The church has to help equip the home. And it really does start with the men. It starts, you know, obviously we can reach ladies. And the, but the men have got to be able to have enough information spiritually that they can teach their children mm-hmm. and teach their children not to, just about church on Sunday that, that's that's gone those those days are gone uh, children see right through that but to teach their children who Jesus is can I add that we would certainly want to be able to teach them but we also want to model it for them yes so it's not just us having that information or to to be able to teach information, but to teach it with the way we live and to be able to, like you said, compare Scripture with Scripture and actually not have to go to the pastor, but we can go to the father in the home, right. the yes. husband in the home, for yes. the wife as well, that she can go to her husband and when she has a spiritual question, there's a high likelihood that he's going to be able to answer that question mm-hmm. because the pastor in the church has done his role of equipping the body to yes. be uh, edified and built up and uh, equipped mm-hmm. with the tools to know their scripture and to know the word of God and be able to handle it, rightly dividing it. Yeah. Right. And I was I was just about to steer us right back to where you were when we kind of interjected with some other questions. But you had said that you got some materials and things that you were trying to use to teach people and that it was good, but that it was informational. Mm. And then that's when we kind of cut in and jumped off. So what? Just kind of finish that story and 
um, if you will, just kind of explain just what you meant by sure. you got some materials and it became informational. The, and I would maybe not say necessarily informational, it was the way I taught it. I saw as a pastor my people needing some foundational truth from the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind's eye, I'm trying to figure out a way to teach this to a group of people. I don't have the time. I don't have other people who I can have helped me in this endeavor. So it, it, in, in my mind, it turns into a group effort, mm -hmm. the adult Sunday school class. And I'm going to teach them. We started, and these, these are, they're, most discipleship that is uh, worth its salt, that is biblical, is going to have a lot of the same tenets of information, Bible doctrines. There's not going to be a lot of difference in that. There'll be some difference in how it's delivered. Delivered. There'll be some difference in how it is um, uh, described, uh, backed up with Scripture, different Scriptures and that type of thing. But all in all, they're going to be generally the same type of thing. But my problem came when I tried to just do it in a group setting. That really would became the, and, and it was, in that point, I was just disseminating information. Mm -hmm. People are sitting there for their 45 minute Sunday school class, writing these, checking off their box, you know, writing it, filling in the blanks. Sure. They got another sermon note, they got another booklet with blanks in it, they've got, you know, filled in, here we go, put it on my bookshelf. And that information doesn't ever enter the life. It enters the brain, but it doesn't enter the life. Mm -hmm. And so when Brother Stewart and I began to talk, um, discipleship took on something for me. I've tried it two different times uh, here. Like I said, it never hurt, but it also didn't help or have the intended effect of entering the life of the individual. And so when Brother Stewart and I began to talk, that really helped because it was just it's just you and me. We're sure. not we're not in a and you're just you're the same information I've taught and, and much of it is what you were sharing with me, but in a different just on a personal fashion. Sure. And it takes on a whole new life. Not only that, some of the information that you have brought out goes far beyond what the other information that I had it stops short. You know, let's just say it stops at lesson 14, um, you know, the Word of God. There are the information that we have, that I have learned, has gone far beyond that to personally impact me. And that's okay. what that's what's needed. It, it's a person, so I guess the biggest thing I've taken away from it, you can have the discipleship program, but truthfully, churches that I have known uh, they, you'll hear them say, you know, we have a, you get saved, baptized, get in our 13 week discipleship program, and thank God for that. I mean, yes. don't don't get me wrong, but the issue that I take with that is not one of right or wrong. The issue I take with that is, is you're pouring the whole bottle, a gallon of milk down a baby's belly. They can't they can't ingest it. They can't ingest it. Most of it runs it. all over them. They only intake a few teaspoons of it. So you can throw them through a 13-week program, but that doesn't make them a Christian. It doesn't grow them. Sure. And so that's one of the big issues, one of the big differences I've seen. I've taken that now and begun to invest it in a couple of my men, and it's changed them. Amen. It takes a lot of time. Of course, truth be told, if you're going to grow a child, <laughs> it takes yeah. time. And you grow them in our case, one at a time. 
Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it's funny how the Lord illustrates everything spiritually with physical yep. things that we can see. Just like it takes time to grow a, a physical child, it takes time to grow a spiritual child. It takes time and investment, hands-on, you know. So anyway, that that help you yes, answer yes. the question. Yeah, no, that's that's great, and um, I think honestly, that's that is information that people who are actively seeking for what discipleship is. People like me. I mean, I gave this illustration just you know within the last couple of episodes, uh, just talking about my own life, about knowing that discipleship was something more than I'd ever seen modeled because I saw it in the scripture. Right. Knowing that it was supposed to be more. Knowing that the men that preached and taught about discipleship also knew that it was supposed to be more, but they didn't know how to do it either. Right. And seeing that time after time after time, and then, you know, at this point now, yeah, I'm a 27, 28, 29-year-old guy traveling around the country telling people I'm going to go to Australia and plant churches and disciple people, and I don't even know what discipleship means. Yeah, right. You know? And so I had the same exact thing. But what I find so beautiful is that God promised that when we sought for wisdom, he would give it to us. Yes. And Amen. he gave that to you and I in the same way through through Pastor Stewart. But right. um, that was an evolutionary process for me to use that word properly. Right. Yes. Um, where it was a slow transformation over time mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, that's you know, often I think that's that's how God works. Yeah. And that's not only how you guys came to it, that's how I came to it. Because mm-hmm. I was starting to see the importance of these different elements of our Christian walk and and not knowing how to bring them together, how to disseminate that to the the church body that God had entrusted to me as a pastor or assistant pastor or youth pastor. And uh, just uh, seeking his face on the matter, he brought uh, the man that helped lead me to the Lord back into my life who was able to share these things with me and was able to help me get to where I can now pass that along to others. And that's really the passion of I think all three of our hearts, but also the purpose behind this uh, podcast is to try and help people that are, find those people that are searching and looking for that and say, look what God has uh, equipped us with so that uh, we can share that because we certainly are not experts in anything but failure. Uh, I'm an expert (laughs) in failure, uh, but I have a savior who has rescued me from that. Yeah. And he has taught me a lot of things, and those things he's taught me and the things that he's teaching us, we just want to share those with other people who yeah. want to hear it, who want who want to follow him and love him, abide in him, and just work for him yeah. uh, faithfully. And so uh, we understand the, the frustration that ministry can bring when you mm-hmm. don't have the tools that you need. You end up trying to do what I've done, I think what you've done. Sure. I know you have because you told yeah. me that. But you you you're you go to the mindset of trying to develop like a develop some sort of program or some sort of scheme yeah. to try to draw people in, and it turns your church into a business yeah. rather than the living organism that it is. Mm-hmm. And when you the the flip side that I've seen now I'm not our church is not here yet, but I believe we're well on our way. Amen. I love nothing better personally than to sit down with somebody 
who loves the Lord Jesus Christ may not know everything, but they love him and they want to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can I can deal with that all day long. Amen. I can preach to those people and give them information that they will take and, and they may not be able to use all of it, but they'll use some of it. They'll do what they can with it. What I can't do is preach to people who are ignorant. I can give them information. Don't get me wrong. I can do the action of preaching. But what I preach is not going to help them unless they have the foundation to build it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus spent his three years of ministry preaching to thousands, but ministering to 12. And those 12 to this day are the foundation of the church. So it's what he said in Ephesians chapter 5, that uh, uh, the, the, the apostles being the foundation, they're the mm-hmm. stones, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, mm-hmm. right? And so he only really did that to 12 men, poured his life into them, and they turned the world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I don't have to worry about building. We talked a little bit today about Christ. It's not my job to build Liberty Baptist Church. It is his job. It is my job as the the under shepherd to feed the flock of God, to care for them, to disciple them so that they can go out and do the same thing. And what I see, this the discipleship model turns the church from a modern day business mindset of trying to draw people with gimmicks, signs, smoke and mirrors, I'll go that far, to now it begins to build the church literally on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's slow. Uh, sometimes it doesn't seem as steady. But I am learning something that this foundation, come what may, politically, financially, um, physically, that foundation, that type of a church will stand. Amen. There are churches that I've known of who have... They, they they put it a, um, an emphasis on the Word of God and the foundation of Jesus Christ. I don't want to mention names, but the people that I know of of those churches, just as a general church member sitting in the pew, just a general knowledge, they're generally a solid Christian mm-hmm. because their foundation's not on church. It's mm-hmm. not on, on their church. It's on Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. That pastor has successfully led them to follow Christ. And when I can get my people to do that, it doesn't matter what in the world happens, as it were, they're not going to be soon shaken. Yes. And that it's a slow growth, but it's a strong growth. And over time, it will multiply. So if you go for numbers, you can have numbers very, very shortly, but they'll be short numbers too. All right. Well, I think we're going to have to cut the conversation off there for today, Um, but we'll pick up again next week, uh, finish this interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments, please feel feel free to reach out to us. We've got um, the information that I'll leave at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. And as always, I would like to ask you to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, We do not have advertisements on this podcast. We don't make any money off of it. We just want to be a blessing. So if you could like, share, subscribe, comment, all of those kind of things, we'll just be able to get this into more people's ears to help them and so we'd appreciate that very much. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to talking to you again next week.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we will continue this interview with Pastor Amos Graham. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at General Order, the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.